morning. How are you? Good. Look up on the screen. God said these words in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 12. Follow along. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, it says, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or your maidservant nor your animals nor the alien or the foreigner within your gates. For in six days, this is a reference to the creation story, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, in this passage, in this command, God calls us to this rhythm of balance between work and rest, between struggle and peace, and between momentum and stillness. And the words of the command, if you look at them, they're very clear. It's the most spelled out of the Ten Commandments. Work for six days and then stop. See, the Sabbath comes from the word that means to cease or to stop. And so the Sabbath is essentially the stopping day. And as you saw in the command, it comes along every single week. So the Sabbath, my friends, has a rhythm of six and one, of six and one, of six and one. For six days, it says that uh, for six days we struggle. For six days we study or we work or we produce, or we drive the kids to school, and we do the chores, and we lead the meetings, and then somehow we're supposed to just step back and unplug from it all. And so the command teaches us that there is a time for six days of meetings, for six days of creativity, for six days of leadership if you lead something, for six days of schoolwork if you're a student, for six days of homework if you're a responsible student, for six days of chores and six days of making decisions, six days of carpool and ball games and six days of working. And then it's as though God says, that's enough. Stop. And this day to stop is for us to be reminded that this world that we live in is God's world, not ours. And this command to stop, it comes along every single week. And it is a day, as the command reads, that is God's. It is to the Lord's. Now, every day is God's day. That's not the point of the command. But the point here is that there must be a time, a sacred time, a holy time, as the command says, that God is no longer struggling for my attention as he might have to through the rest of the week. The Sabbath's mission is to keep us in line with our days and to keep our days and years and life in order. And however you read the command and however it comes off the page for you, it's ultimately about how you and I order our days and our months and our years so that we never lose sight of this God and his provision and presence for our lives. Notice what Joshua Heschel said about the Sabbath. Six days we wrestle with the world. Maybe you feel like that. Ringing profit from the earth. On the Sabbath, we especially care for the seed of eternity that's planted in our souls. I love the next line. The world has our hands, amen? But the soul, our soul, belongs to someone else. See, the Sabbath is a time to be reminded that we belong to God. Moses, he prayed these words in Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us, God, to number our days aright, that we may gain this heart of wisdom. See, Moses was praying for a balance 
in his life. This balance and this rhythm between work and rest, how to number his days correctly. Not just a life where all of his days kind of run together and he can't keep up, like his schedule is out of control, but a prayer to know that this day is not just any other day, but it is a day that the Lord has made. When God commanded his people to Sabbath, to stop working, he was teaching them and us, if we listen, about these healthy rhythms and exchanges between work and rest, between momentum and stillness, and between struggle and peace. Friends, if we Sabbath, we are acknowledging that this is God's world and that we are trusting Him to provide for us and to take care of our needs because we belong to Him. Sometimes, Sabbaths, they're unannounced. They just show up in our lives. I call these unexpected Sabbaths. Maybe this has happened to you. You're in your car, you're on the phone, it's a very important conversation, you're deeply involved, you're in traffic, and then your phone just dies. Has this ever happened to you? And there's no charger in the car, so you're looking all over the place, you're underneath the seats, you're digging around on the floors, you've thrown everything that's in the glove compartment out onto the passenger seat, but no dice, no charger, and so you're just sitting there, dead in the water, quiet, nothing you can do, but wait, it's a small, unexpected Sabbath. Or bigger, maybe you're very involved in your job. You're very involved in what you do, and you love it, and it has a piece of your heart. But there's something else about your job. It feels very heavy. You feel the weight of everything at work, like too much depends on you. And you kind of feel like if you don't do it, then someone else won't, right? And so you're working these giant, big hours, and you're putting your heart into it. And then, just like that, they fire you. Like you woke up and you came in with more dreams for the company, more ideas for the company, and you just, maybe the presentation that you were going to present that day, and then they just walked you in your little box full of things from your desk to the car and said, thank you, goodbye, and all is quiet. It's an unexpected Sabbath. If someone would have asked you about your life, you would have said that it was completely out of control. There was too many things on the table. Like it was this go, go, go mentality, this twisted and destructive game to see how many things you could get done in a set amount of time. And really, it was just so stressful and it felt like the world was on your shoulders. And then a family member or a friend dies and just time stops. It's an unexpected Sabbath. They happen all the time. And to be honest, they're really good things if we see them that way. They teach us that everybody's phone dies. And that little conversation that I felt was so important wasn't damaged by a 20-minute delay. Or they teach us, though we don't like this lesson, that our jobs, with or without us, they go on. And that's hard to take. And they teach us that in the midst of all of these things that we're trying to maintain, and in the face of tragedy, all those things that we were trying to keep going and spinning, they can wait. They're unimportant. They're not that big of a deal. Unexpected Sabbaths, they're good things if we see them that way. Notice what the scriptures say in James. Consider it pure joy, and this is hard, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Look at the scripture. This is God's way for you and I to see these unexpected Sabbaths. This is God's way for us to respond when things force us to stop and slow down. But the kind of Sabbath that God is looking for, the kind of rest in Him that He is calling us to have, 
is not one that we trip over by accident, but it's the kind that we build into our lives. The Sabbath is intentional. The Sabbath is planned. The Sabbath is on purpose. And when we live Sabbath, when we find rest in God, it's not by accident, but it's on purpose. See, most of us, if we didn't pay attention, we would end up crashing instead of stopping. We would find ourselves essentially unable to go on instead of intentionally building these times into our schedules to be with God and to let Him restore us. But when I stop doing everything the world around me expects me to be doing, when I move to the beat of the heart of the Sabbath, when I'm doing that, when I'm resting, I'm reminding myself that someone else greater than me is in control and that everything in the world and in my life is not up to me. Friends, if we Sabbath, we are acknowledging that this world that we live in is God's world and that we are trusting Him to provide for us and to take care of our needs because we belong to Him. There's this story in the Bible of a man who was healed of leprosy by Jesus. And see, leprosy was tough. Most people died. And it wasn't just a physical death, but it was a social death as well because they would take these people and they would send them in these communities of others with the same disease and they would live there with them to stay away from the normal and healthy people. And so you were separated from your friends and your family. So it wasn't just the physical death that was the problem. It was the social death. It wasn't just the disease, but it was the solitude and seclusion. See, that's what hurt. And the Bible says that this man was covered in leprosy. He was in really bad shape. And it says that he fell to the, uh, the feet of Jesus and he begged him to be healed. And Jesus heals him. But when he heals him, Jesus uses the words, be clean. See, not just healed and made like well, but clean. He made him clean, like, again, not just healed, but clean and made new for life. See, when people come out of addiction, they use the same phrase. I'm clean. I've been cleaned. It's a new life, a new start. And he could now, this man who has been healed of his leprosy, could reconnect with his family, his friends, and his life, and all of his kids. And he could throw away that stupid bell that he had to wear around his neck so that he could warn people of his presence so they could run and hide. It was completely a new life. And throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus healing people. And understand this word, often. This was a part of his ministry. But what happens next in the story is just crazy. It's astonishing. It doesn't feel right. It gets underneath our skin. Notice what the text says on the screen. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him. Jesus is famous for this. And to be healed of their sicknesses. But notice what it says. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Friends, Jesus walked away. Jesus walked away. And Luke makes it clear, if you notice it again, that this is not a one-time thing, but this is something that Jesus often did. And there were times in his ministry where Jesus stood face-to-face with the greatest needs known to people. When he stood face-to-face with projects that you and I would think that he should have or ought to have done. And he just walked away from them. Again, as Luke tells us, often, regularly, Jesus withdrew to some quiet place and he prayed. I mean, think about what a rebellious statement that is from Jesus. 
It's like Jesus is saying, I know this is a need right now. I know this is an urgent thing and it's right in front of me, but I need to be over there for a time, right? I need to be away from this for just a little while and to be with God, my heavenly father. I'm not running away. I'm not giving up on my mission. I'm not throwing in the towel. I just need to be over here and it's more important for me to be with God right now. It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. I don't know about you, but when I walk through the Linux food court on a Sunday, and I'm pushing through the crowds of people, it's always weird to me to see that Chick-fil-A sitting there with its lights off, closed, and empty. Notice what the founder of Chick-fil-A said. Our decision to close on a Sunday was our way of honoring God and directing our attention to things more important than our business. Can you imagine If it took seven days to make a living with a restaurant, then we needed to be in some other line of work. I was with a business person recently and I said, I wonder how much they are losing by being closed on Sunday. How much money are they losing? And he said, trust me, they know exactly how much money they're losing. It just doesn't feel right. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense in our culture. And it certainly didn't make sense in the culture of Jesus Either. Notice what the scriptures say in Mark very early in the morning. So this is well before our service time today. While it was still dark, Jesus, he got up. He left the house and he went off to this solitary place where he prayed. And Simon and his companions, they went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, which is how you want to be awoken, awakened from your quiet time. Everyone has been looking for you, Right. So Jesus lived in this constant, this constant state of interruptions for ministry, which ministry is just that. It's reactive. Ministry is a response to a hurting world. That's all it is. And this is seen in the life of Jesus time and time again. Him responding to the needs of others. That's how he lived. We see him taking advantage of crowded rooms or houses like this, and he would stand up and teach. Or someone would come to him with an illness, and he would, he would heal them. Or maybe he would see something in life, like everyday life, that told another story about who God was. And so he would formulate that into a parable. He always sees the moment. But we always forget that Jesus also purposefully said no and walked away to be with God. See, if we Sabbath, we're acknowledging something bigger, that this is God's world and that we are trusting him to provide for us. And to take care of our needs because we belong to him. See, I think we can learn something from Jesus on this. In his life, we see the heart of the Sabbath lived out. We see how he lived in this rhythm of balance between work and rest, between struggle and peace, and for him, between doing and being. That's all the Sabbath command was ever telling us to do. That's all it was ever telling us to be. For the Israelites, it was very specific. Work for this amount of time and then stop. And when you take a break, God says, when you Sabbath, let me minister to you. Let me encourage you. Let me strengthen you. Let me remind you most importantly that I am your God. That's all that it ever was. And that's all that it ever is. And see, the Sabbath is about rhythm. It's about knowing when to work and when to stop. It's about knowing when to respond to the needs of all these things around me and when to respond to God. Notice the quote from Mark Buchanan, most of us live afraid that we're almost out of time. 
But you and I, we're heirs of eternity. Isn't that beautiful? We're not short of days. We just need to number them, as Moses said, aright. See, the Sabbath is a rhythm that is in place so that you and I would never find our fullness, our completeness in the work of our hands, but rather in God's work in us. We often get those reversed. It's a reminder that I'm not the sum of what I do, but who I am. And God is far more interested in who I am than what it is that I do. And God knows our tendency and your tendency to find our worth and our fullness and our completeness in the work of our hands. He knows our struggle to separate success in character. He knows this ongoing battle that you and I constantly fight to remain connected to Him and His ways. But friends, if we Sabbath, if we intentionally break, if we stop, we're reminding and acknowledging that this is God's world and that we're trusting Him to provide for us and to take care of our needs because we belong to Him. See, the core of the Sabbath is not really found in the details. Jesus taught this. The Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's not found in the details. But the core of the Sabbath is found in the truth of the command that you and I just can't keep going and going and going and going and that there must be times when we intentionally stop and that we're reminded that we belong to God and that we are His. It's this balance between work and rest. And you know your own rhythm. I know my own rhythm. Your six days may be different than someone else's six days of work. Your day of rest may look and feel completely different than someone else's day of rest. We all have our own rhythms, and hopefully, God says, hopefully we all know our own breaking points. We've all been through those times when like, it feels like it's been weeks since we've even touched base with God. All of us have said, I feel like God is so far away, and often, not always, but often, it is our pace and our schedules that are putting that feeling of disconnect and distance between us and Him. And so when God gave this command, it was an invitation to close the gap that our schedules can create between us and Him. It was this invitation back into His presence, or at least the knowledge of His presence, and back into His strength, and back into trusting that He will provide. If we Sabbath, it's so simple. We acknowledge that this is God's world, and that we are trusting Him to provide for us and to take care of our needs, because we belong to Him. So you know your own rhythm. And I have my own rhythms. I like that one. And I know when enough is enough. And so do you. I know when I'm empty. And I've poured everything out that I have on some project or some person or some idea or some problem. And I know when I don't have anything else to give. I know when I'm out. I know when I'm empty. And it's in those moments that God is calling me to rest. That God is calling me to Sabbath. That He is calling me to stop and to let Him fix and repair my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Like it could be in the middle of the day or in the middle of some project that is tearing me apart. And I stop and say to God, look, I need you in this moment. 
I don't know what else to say or what else to do because I've already said all that it is I know how to say and I've already done everything I know how to do and I'm starting to really feel like I don't have what it takes to push whatever this thing is I'm in through to completion and I need to know right now that you are my God and that I am your child because I have forgotten that and that you will provide everything I need to succeed or even better than that, survive the failure of my work. If I Sabbath in the midst of chaos, I'm acknowledging that this is not my world, it's God's world. And that I'm trusting Him to provide for me and to take care of all of my needs because I belong to Him. See, friends, the Sabbath is really rebellion. The Sabbath is crazy. The Sabbath is unreasonable. The Sabbath, if you think about it, is just silly. The Sabbath is something to laugh at. The Sabbath doesn't make a lot of sense. The Sabbath feels wrong. The Sabbath feels irresponsible. The Sabbath comes across as laziness. But when I'm complaining about my life and the pace of my life and the rhythms of my life and my schedules in my life and how it feels like none of that will ever end and how it feels like God maybe is so far away, what I'm really saying, what is really behind the pain of all of those words and all of my complaints is this deep, deep desire to find rest. And Jesus said these words, notice on the screen, come to me, he said, all you who are weary, maybe that's you, and burdened, maybe that's you. And he says, I will give you rest. If we Sabbath, Jesus is saying, we're acknowledging that this is his world, this is God's world, and that we're going to trust him to provide for everything that we need, and he will take care of our needs because we belong to him. And so as an encouragement, don't find yourself in some kind of life that has no time for rest. Don't end up in a rhythm of life where the drumbeat of the Sabbath is not heard and it's not there. Don't assume that things will just get better when this project or that project is over. You know it and I know it. It never works out that way. We don't work that way. We always fill the space with something else. We always find something else to fill the time with. So don't find yourself in a place where the volume of your work has muted the voice of God. If we Sabbath... We are acknowledging that this is God's world and that we are trusting Him to provide for us and to take care of our needs because we belong to Him. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. See, that's a command, friends, to stop. Finding rest in God is something that I do not by accident, but on purpose. I don't need to stumble upon some unexpected stopping point, although those happen. But I must intentionally, on purpose, find rest in Him by stopping. It's the rhythm that God has called me to. And it doesn't feel right. But He's faithful every time to give us the rest that we need. Grace and peace to you.